Hello, everyone. My name is Chris Riccardi, and I'm a partner in Seward and Kissel's investment management practice. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Fundraising Focus Series. In this series, we talk to different individuals and firms that are involved in the capital raising process for private funds. Today, I'm joined by Chris Fields, Dan McGowan, and Nicole Belmont, all of whom are managing directors at the Far Hills Group. Uh, so before we begin, uh, Chris, Dan, Nicole, uh, why don't you give us a little background about the firm and about yourselves um, and uh, a little bit about Far Hills. Great, well, thank you, Chris, for having us today. I will start, I'm Nicole Belmont. I'm the Director of Research for Far Hills Group. Far Hills Group is a placement agent. We raise capital for alternative investment managers from hedge funds, private equity funds, venture funds, and CTAs. The firm was founded in 1990. And over the past 30 plus years, we've raised over 26 billion in assets. We are located in New York City, but it's a global practice. So each year about half of our assets are raised from investors within North America, the other half from investors outside of North America. Typically we're working with four to seven funds at a given time. We work with them on a two-way exclusive basis and also a success basis. And our focus is on late stage emerging managers up to large established managers and really everything in between. And my role within the firm is the sourcing and diligence of new managers and then also anything behind the sales when it comes to our existing managers. And now I'll let my colleague Chris Fields take over. Thanks, Nicole. Um, I'm Chris Fields. I'm a uh, managing director and partner here at Far Hills. I've been with the firm for just over 13 years now. Uh, my role is on the North American sales team. Uh, I'm one of four individuals uh, that distributes our products across the North American markets. Everybody from institutional large investors like banks and insurance companies to smaller family offices, as well as um, wealth management platforms and the like. Uh, our, our reach is extensive, our uh, investor base diverse. Um, so I'm, I work with that as well as um, I work with Nicole and the rest of the partners here uh, to speak to managers and find uh, new folks to distribute out to our existing investor base um, and work through uh, work with them on the process of, of marketing the fund and giving them constant feedback throughout the process. So it's very comprehensive here. But I'll uh, turn it over to Dan to let him uh, describe his role here. Sure. Thanks, Chris. I'm Dan McGowan, Managing Director and Partner with the Far Hills Group. Um, I manage our capital raising for the other side of the world. So I focus uh, primarily on Asia, and that's everything from Japan down to Singapore, as well as Australia and New Zealand. So I've been working on Asia my entire career. I've been with the Far Hills Group now for almost a decade, um, dedicated to engaging with institutional investors. So that includes uh, family offices, banks, wealth managers, pension funds. And I also work very closely with a number of endowments in the region, which are operating very sophisticated uh, global portfolios with exposure to every asset class. Great, thanks everyone. Um, so uh, offline, we have talked about how interesting the fundraising environment has been for the past 18 months. Uh, now it seems at least among our clients and their fundraising activities um, that we're in a transitory phase and where activity is starting to pick up, but it's not yet back to pre-pandemic levels. Uh, we're thinking that the next 18 months is gonna be even more interesting, but 
uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts uh, and what you're seeing in, in uh, general fundraising uh, uh, ideas. I think we can all agree that uh, uh, it's a very unique time right now, um, you know, particularly just for all our lives in general, but it's also consistent with the fundraising environment. Um, you know, I, I think when this first started, uh, you had people trying to figure out uh, what to do in terms of their existing portfolios, uh, new managers um, and the like. Uh, not only with, you know, whether they should be continuing to allocate, how they can allocate, how they will do, do that due diligence, uh, or whether they should just stick around uh, in the managers that they were in and, and see uh, what occurs uh, from there. Um, so that's evolved. Um, and uh, Dan will talk more about the, the Zoom aspect of that. But what, what I would like to, to, to say is that, you know, you basically have a lot of capital on the sidelines right now. If you look at one statistic, which I saw recently, the fiscal year of uh, June, uh, ending June uh, 30th, 2021, and that's from June 30, 2020, uh, there was an interesting stat that endowments 500 million and above had a return, a median return of 34% over that last fiscal year. And when you compare that to the low single digits of the prior year, you see a uh, you know, significant rise in the amount of capital that they have. So what does that mean? Uh, that means that a lot of their existing managers, and, and, this will, and before I say this, this, this should apply also to folks, not only at these endowments, but to family offices um, and to other investors across the spectrum who've seen a considerable rise in their assets. And what you'll see is basically, managers that are over allocated, more cash to put to work. And as a result, with the current environment, uh, just people have not had the opportunity uh, to reallocate as much as they have had in the past. So you have all this cash sitting on the sidelines, uh, waiting for, for a place and the time uh, to redistribute. That's not, having, that's not saying that cash hasn't been doing that so far, but what it is saying is you have to be active, um, whether it's you know online via Zoom, whether it's keeping those communications going, it's really important um, to do that. And so we're seeing a lot of activity uh, of pe people starting to get the themselves out there. And if you aren't, you need to, uh, and you need to look at avenues to do that. Um, but that that would I, I would say is the overarching theme right now is just because you know, we're not back to normal, doesn't mean there's a great opportunity ahead of us. And, and, and I wanna say this too, you know, I, I know things have been delayed a bit here, uh, specifically with the Delta variant. Um, and it may be delayed for a few months, but my, my thought process here is that, that it will be only a few months when things start to, to get better. That may change, I may not be right, but, that's, but it's best to start uh, if you haven't already, and just get yourself out there. So that's that's my summary of the whole market uh, right now. Dan, do you have any comments about the Zooms and, yeah. and some other comments? Sure. Just to follow up on your comment there, I would agree. I'm I'm very bullish on on capital raising at the moment. Um, there is a lot of free cash available to be put to work, and I think if you look back to the beginning of the uh, the pandemic, allocators were really staying in their comfort zone, and 
only topping off with managers uh, that they were already invested with. So first time Zoom introductions really weren't as effective because investors weren't used to sizing managers up via a video format. But um, I would say that's changed and the dynamic has shifted. And now um, a Zoom meeting really seems to have the nearly the equivalent value of an in-person meeting. So the effectiveness of Zoom has dramatically increased. And I would expect that trend, you know, independent of any market conditions to stay strong. So with all that capital uh, sitting on the sidelines, uh, there's obviously going to be a lot of competition for it. And, and I'm assuming some firms are already winning it. What would you say uh, the firms who are, are winning the larger allocations, what are they doing differently or to differentiate, differentiate themselves today uh, compared to the firms who aren't uh, raising capital? One thing that I'm seeing from the diligence and research perspective, so I look at a lot of funds, I probably look at about two to 300 funds a year. And as you said, it's so competitive out there. It really is. And it's very easy to get lost in the shuffle. So I think the managers that are winning are really getting their differentiation out there, making sure what makes them different, what makes them unique comes across in both their materials and their messaging. Managers need to go through their story and see why am I great? Is it because I'm really good at position sizing or I'm making money on both sides of the portfolio? I'm good at exposure management. Maybe I do well in down markets. Whatever it is, make sure that comes across because you wanna tell your story, but then you also wanna have the data to back it up, especially in times when investors are doing virtual diligence. Then being able to dig into that information really allows the story to come to life for them. And that also leads into being transparent. The managers we see that are really successful right now, they're transparent. I mean, it might be with an NDA, it might not, but they're letting investors dig into portfolio level data because in virtual times, I think it's more important than ever to have that level of information, the investors to be like, oh yeah, I could see your performance didn't only come from one large position last year, but it was through many positions, or I could see, you know, you're trading around positions, whatever it is, it just really allows them to understand the strategy better. And it's more effective. There's so many materials and presentations out there that are so generic and it's just not benefiting you at all. So strong materials, strong data from the research perspective, I think, I think is good. Yeah, and I would I would highlight that investors just on the transparency piece, um, especially with a fund that investors haven't met with before in person, they need to be confident that there's going to be a dependable information flow. So you not only need that robust data room, um, as an example, we also um, recently worked with a professional film crew to create a clip simulating a virtual office visit. Um, which was very effective. And um, so anything that can be done to bridge that virtual gap is helpful. And um, one of the best tools to accomplish that is just simply transparency. Um, so uh, with respect to fundraising activities by um, hedge funds versus private equity uh, firms, are you seeing anything, uh, any themes or any activities done differently between those types of firms? I think there's a lot of there, there's a lot of crossover right now. That's just different liquidity terms. So, I mean, from from our perspective, we've seen a lot of success uh, in the biotech space, both on the hedge fund side and the venture private equity side. Um, Asia has been attractive to folks trying to find a solution over there. 
which is complicated because it's a volatile environment and you've got a, uh, a, a unpredictable political environment um, as well. Um, so that, that's been of interest to folks. Also concentration uh, uh, is something that uh, people have been looking for, um, not your generic long short uh, you know, multiple position portfolio, more concentrated up in, in positions, um, as well as folks that are, have a hedge fund structure, but also have a private bucket and the option to opt in or opt out of that, that bucket, um, has been, has been particularly popular. Um, so, you know, I, niche, niche always gets attention. Uh, and it's a word we use a lot around here. Uh, and it's a word that uh, is very helpful in marketing. If some, and as Nicole was stressing before, it can be a differentiator and that's the key to getting folks' attention. So, you know, uh, that, that ha has been what we've seen. And, you know, you've just generally seen an uptrend in the equity market. So when you have that going on, it can be that much more difficult uh, to, to, to differentiate your fund because everybody's going up. So if you have a different theme, um, uh, it, it can be helpful. Yeah, and I think that we can find a place in investors portfolios really for any manager that can deliver consistent returns for those opportunistic money makers that can manage risk and really who offer a lack of correlation. Chris, I know you said you're focused more in the U.S. and, and Dan, you're more focused internationally. I'm curious as to whether you're seeing clear differences, differences or requests from investors with respect to, um, you know, strategies they're, they're seeking, for example, or, you know, focus like ESG. Is that more relevant uh, to investors overseas or in the U.S.? Uh, can you speak to that? Yeah, I, I'll speak on, on my, my area, which is the U.S., um, you know, I, I, I think we've gone over uh, what what has been attractive to folks in, in the prior question, but, but I will note on the ESG um, role, my comment on that is it's still developing. Um, I think you have a, a small amount of investors are highly focused on it. I think you have the other investors that it's a tangential thing at the moment that is slowly being incorporated into their process. Um, we have noticed that now managers are starting to have more and more ESG policies um, and it's not a bad uh, thing to have. Um, and it's something that investors are more and more requesting. Uh, this isn't going away, um, particularly in the US. I think it's, 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 only getting you know more prominent, uh, so it's something to monitor. Um, is it making a big difference at this point with allocations? In my seat, no. Will it be? Probably um, at some point in time. It's just a matter of when when that occurs. Um, but Dan, maybe you can speak to maybe particular Asia interests or or the sure, ESG sure. over there. Sure. Yeah, we're really not seeing much uptick or demand for ESG at the moment. Um, I would describe our investor base really as just purely opportunistic. Um, there's, uh, you know, a couple of themes, I guess I could mention, I'm just thinking in Japan, 
Um, we're continue, continuing to see allocators that are driven overseas in search of returns. So there's three legs to the stool with Japanese allocators, and this has actually been a big market for us. That's why I bring it up. Um, but there's three legs to the stool. It's gatekeepers, consultants, and pension funds. And so money managers will really continue to need to manage that triangular relationship between all three participates, participants in order to um, successfully, successfully raise capital there. Um, there's also, um, you know, I guess from a geographical perspective in the US, there used to be a view that Asian allocators only allocated to Asia. Um, and I'd say that's no longer the case. Um, there are, are very few Asia only allocators outside of just a, a small handful of Asia only fund of funds in Hong Kong and Singapore, as well as some in mainland China, um, where that where you know, there are institutional allocators that remain under allocated globally. But for the most part, these investors are operating global um, portfolios and are open to all asset classes. So those are just some unique um, uh, features to the Asian market at the moment. I think one thing to add overall with Far Hills, about a third of our investor base is family offices. So having that as a large portion of our prospects, they're really more opportunistic. So they're not really forced to go into certain strategies for allocation reasons. They're able to really just look for best in class managers. So that's also a reason why over the past year and even last year, we've still been raising capital you know, throughout the pandemic. And now we're raising capital from all sectors but that's always a strong area for us. And it's also a differentiation for the firm as well. Well, great. Thanks very much, everybody. Uh, that's a wrap. Uh, Nicole, Chris, and Dan, just like to thank you for joining us today for our fundraising focus episode. And for the audience, stay tuned for future fundraising focused episodes. Thanks again. Thank you, Chris.